Yes, it's kind of challenging times for the truth tellers these days. As of late January 2019, my video views have just <whistles> crashed uh, on YouTube, about 50% of where they were before. And I brought this to the attention of YouTube, just asking them if anything may have changed at their end, but uh, they have yet to get back to me. So I'm going to have to adapt a little bit to the new reality. And it's not because my show is less popular. I mean, video views are down uh, enormously, but uh, podcast views are actually up and engagement on Twitter is very high. So anyway, uh, it's just where things sit. So I'm going to mix things up a little bit, going to do a few micro videos. And today, something quite interesting for a lot of Republicans, mommy and daddy are fighting because uh, Ann Coulter, of course, who wrote Adios America, which was a book that helped propel Trump into the presidency. Trump today tweeted wacky nut job at Ann Coulter, who still hasn't figured out that despite all odds and an entire Democrat party of far left radicals against me, not to mention certain Republicans who are sadly unwilling to fight, I am winning on the border. Major sections of wall are being built. Now, how much wall is actually being built and so on, you can gauge that by the degree of hysteria that the Democrats are putting out. And since they're not putting out a huge amount of hysteria, you can pretty much guarantee that the wall is not going to be as effective as certainly the Republicans want it to be. But the Ann Coulter thing is, is tough because as she sort of pointed out, since 1965, immigration into America has shifted from Europeans and whites and so on to uh, third worlders who overwhelmingly vote for the left. And this, of course, counts uh, North Americans such as Mexicans and so on and south of Mexico. And uh, we're talking places like Somalia and, you know, you name it. Right. And so Donald Trump keeps talking about raising quotas, even on legal immigration, when America has taken tens of millions of people over the past few decades with no chance for infrastructure to catch up, no chance for you know, roads and, and hospitals and uh, schools and so on to catch up, not to mention housing. And so the idea that the only problem is illegal immigration is not valid. Canadians are freaking out about massive raises in immigration quotas into, a, of course, a pretty small country, as Ireland is freaking out about it as well. And that's legal immigration for the most part. There have been some trickle of uh, Justin Trudeau invitees uh, of uh, migrants and, and illegals coming across the southern border in Canada. But for the most part, it's legal immigration that has Canadians particularly concerned because uh, it changes the political culture in particular of the country because people from the third world will overwhelmingly vote for the left and so on. So we all know that the left is trying to stuff the ballots by bribing third world people with citizenship. And that's a, a sort of well understood thing. The standard story is that on the right, the reason why mass immigration from poorer countries is encouraged is because it keeps wages low and yeah okay but it, it raises taxes of course and um it also uh, uh you know you've got to train the workforce and there's turnover um, there's definitely something to do with it but just the idea that the left and the right are simply conspiring because the left wants votes and the right wants cheap labor the chamber of commerce wants cheap labor i don't think is particularly strong i think on the left the argument is good but here's what i think is missing from the equation okay so the way that you pretend your economy is doing well is you drive up real estate prices, right? Because most people will end up buying a home. And if the value of that home goes up, then they feel wealthy. They feel better off. And if people feel better off, then they will continue to support the existing political system. Now, we saw in 2007, 2008, 
when, what was it, close to 30 to 40 percent of wealth in America was wiped out, 10 percent of U.S. housing stock ended up being empty because housing prices took a dive. Now, this has to do with political correctness and so on and wanting to put more blacks and Hispanics into home ownership. Uh, and therefore having to reduce the standards and, and allowing for what were called liar's loans. You just pencil in what you you make and, and people who maybe didn't understand variable rate mortgages and how they could change over time and so on. So this was a huge issue that came out of a lack of frank discussion about IQ differences and all that kind of stuff, which I've talked about on the show before. But here's the way that the cycle of sort of civilization works, is that you may, under certain circumstances, have a giant baby boom, as you did when the boomers came back, well, sorry, the greatest generation came back from the Second World War and gave birth to the boomers in the 40s and, and 50s and so on. And then what happens is society has to build a whole bunch of stuff, right? A whole bunch of roads and hospitals and, and uh, I guess, even bridges and, and uh, schools in particular and so on. So you've got to build all this stuff and houses, of course, right? And you get a whole bunch of, of, of kids. Now, those kids will then, you know, they grow up and they, they consume all of this stuff. So you overbuild in a sense. Then you're going to get usually a baby bust, right? The sort of Gen Xs, the millennials and so on, there's fewer kids being had. Now, the way that society should write itself from there, of course, is that when you have a baby bust, the price of housing should collapse, right? So let's say you have the half, half the population from the post-baby boomers, the baby boomers and the post-baby boomers of half the population. Then, of course, you know, give or take some variability and so on. But the price of housing is going to fall by 50% because there's half as much demand. And that's pretty important, especially when you're convincing women to, you know, go travel and, and find themselves, although what they often find is a Moroccan or Guatemalan grave, you know, the family says, go find yourself. And then guess what? The family gets to go find them in the middle of nowhere when they vanished. But you encourage women to go to school, you encourage women to put off having children and, and getting married and all that kind of stuff. So there's just a much lower demand for housing. Now, when the demand for housing, of course, declines, the value of bank assets declines enormously, right? Because banks have a book value of homes. And if the book value of their homes collapses, then they have to call in a whole bunch of loans, right? Because you have a certain ratio that you need to have between your assets and your loans. And if your assets go down, you may need to call in 10, 20, or 30 times the value of the drop in your assets in terms of loans. And that is a huge disaster and huge catastrophe. And we saw that uh, in the 2007-2008 housing crash, which would have been a huge financial crash if it wasn't for hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars poured into these financial institutions from the magic money printing presses of government currency. Uh, and so normally what would happen is the price of housing would go down enormously. Now, if the price of housing goes down, then that lures people into you know, getting married, having kids, and they can afford more kids. And that's how sort of natural cycle of things would go. But the banks, the financial institutions, and the whole house of cards, modern pretend economy that runs on debt can't handle a significant and sustained loss in housing prices. Now, this also would be true to some degree of commercial housing, although I'm really focusing on residential housing markets uh, in this particular conversation. So what happens then is the financial institutions, and I'm not just talking about banks, but investments and so on, right? investment banks and so on. And so the financial institutions are absolutely desperate to maintain the value of housing. 
Now, how do you maintain the value of housing when your population has hit a baby bust, when you have far fewer kids than the baby boomers? Well, we all know, right? You import people in order to maintain the value and, in fact, drive up the value of your housing. And those people, I mean, in, in Canada, where do people settle who come into Canada? Well, they, they settle in Vancouver. Uh, they settle in uh, Toronto and, you know, a couple of other places, all, all in big cities. They're not coming from Pakistan to go hoe the back 40 in the wilds of Saskatchewan or pan for gold in Nikina. So you import a bunch of people who then go into the cities, right? And they will buy up a bunch of houses there. And particularly if they're from China, right? The Chinese in Vancouver, it's well known. They actually had to put a tax on for unoccupied houses owned by foreigners because that was what was happening is they're taking the corrupt money from the Chinese quasi-communist institution uh, of government and then dropping it into Western real estate in Australia and China. And of course, sorry, Australia, <laughs> I'm saying China when I mean Vancouver, although some people would say that's kind of an extension of China. And so you've got to drive up. Now, what happens is people buy uh, the immigrants will buy houses, of course, a lot in the cities, and that drives a lot of flight out of, out of the cities, and then people want to move to the suburbs, and that drive, keeps the high, suburbs high, too. Now, of course, governments as well are addicted to high housing prices. Why? Because, in general, governments get a huge amount of money from property taxes, and property taxes are based upon the assessment of the value of your home. It's like 1%, 1.5%, 2%, depends sort of where you are. And so if the price of housing drops significantly, not only is the financial house of cards threatened, not only do, do probably hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars of loans need to be called in, some of which can be paid, some of which can't, and it's a huge problem, then also governments have to get by on much less. Why? Because when housing prices go down, the value of the house goes down and therefore the uh, the property taxes are going to go down and governments have got addicted to high property taxes. So bringing people in to prop up value is very, very important. You say, ah, oh, well, but the immigrants are poor. It's like, well, yes, but the immigrants will get, you know, 75% of immigrants in America are on some form of welfare. So they're getting a lot of propping up of uh, their uh, their income through the welfare state. And this is one of the main reasons why Obamacare had to come in so that people couldn't afford the government-controlled health care system. And so you say, well, but they're not buying a lot. Well, what happens is, though, when you get a bunch of immigrants, say, from Somalia, they move into a neighborhood, then the people who are there may be moved out forcibly or they may move out on their own, and then they go up the next tier, which pushes people up to the next tier. So it has a cascading upward effect, even to the most expensive of houses. So when you're looking at this weird disconnect where the population in the West has two major concerns. In Europe, two major concerns, and, and in Canada and other places, the major concern is immigration. In Europe, the major concern is immigration and terrorism. And you say, well, why? Why does these? Uh, why does Donald Trump keep talking about more and more and more immigration? You know, well, maybe he's uh, listening to Princess Ivanka. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, Jared Kushner. But the basic reality is that he's had to sit down with the guys who say, look, if you reduce immigration you're going to crash the housing market. You crash the housing market, you crash the economy. Now, I mean, the economy is going to crash sooner or later, of course, right? Because all you're doing is deferring the inevitable. Instead of having housing prices go down, which would be hugely welcome to most people, particularly in the major metropolitan centers, what happens is 
in, instead, you're just putting national debt into the welfare state and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's going to crash anyway. But nobody wants to be the captain at the helm of the Titanic when it hits the iceberg. So I think it's just a game of extend and pretend, right? Extend credit, uh, extend debt, and pretend that the economy is somehow sustainable. And of course, as we all know, when you defer difficult decisions, they almost always get harder and harder and harder. So the next time you're talking to someone and say, oh, well, immigration is so important, it's so important. You understand that they are getting a whole bunch of propaganda that's being driven by the insatiable desire of the current house of cards fiat currency system to maintain high real estate values. And it's got nothing to do with kindness or charity or we care about the migrants. Uh, it, you know, it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the dollars and cents. And it's all about just keeping the nonsense going for three months, six months, because, of course, a lot of the bonds that were put in, right, 2007, 2008, 2009, well, they're all coming due. It's going to be a big issue. And right now, any drop in immigration will cause a significant drop in real estate prices. system can't sustain it, and that's why it continues to grow the way it does. So I hope this helps. Thanks so much for watching.